0: And the Emmy goes to And the Emmy goes to. And the Emmy goes to Breaking Bad. Bad. Men. Modern Family. Homeland. The Crown. Succession. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 30 of the next Best Series podcast where we talk about television. Here to join me today for this special Emmy recap episode. I have Zoe Rose Bryant. Hey, everybody. All right, Zoe, we are one week removed from the Emmy Awards, a show that I am sad to say I did not have the opportunity to watch live due to being at the Toronto International Film Festival. I I don't understand why the weekend before the Creative Arts Emmys were held and they were being held while I was at Telluride, and then a week later the Emmys are held while the Toronto International Film Festival is going on. It
1: just, like... For awards people, this was pure hell. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like a mishap of scheduling because you really also should not have had it on a Monday, first of all. Like that, I get that they were trying to avoid 9-11, but push it a week. Is that what it was? Was it 9-11 specifically? I'm pretty sure that was my guess because Sunday was 9-11, so I feel like they might have wanted to give that day to like remembrance, or maybe there was something else. I thought it was a football thing. Oh, that could be it too. That could be it.
0: Too. But yeah. isn't? But then again, maybe it isn't that because isn't there Monday night football also anyway?
1: Yeah, that's the night when I would most associate it, you know, but yeah. So a lot of unforced airs, basically.
0: I mean, also, too, this year was interesting because not only did they air the show on NBC, but they also had it streaming on Peacock, unfiltered, uncensored. And you can watch the acceptance speeches still on YouTube uncensored as well, uh, which is how I watched all of them. Uh, (laughs) But I talked to a lot of people. In the days leading up to the Emmys, so many people did not know that they were on Monday. They had no
1: idea. Yeah, no, I remember Lauren in our group of MVP in our group chat being like two hours before, wait, the Emmys are tonight? And I feel like a lot of people on my timeline felt the same way.
0: Yeah, I think people were just really thrown off. And, you know, you're also caught in between Venice, Telluride and TIFF happening. So there's a lot to keep track of.
1: Yeah, I do feel like, unfortunately, when the Emmys actually air, it's in the middle of, as you said, the fall film festival season. And I think a lot of the online community is kind of fully invested in that now, so it's hard to bring them back into the television awards. And
0: a lot has been made about the fact that the ratings were also low. I have to believe that this is not so much indicative of necessarily like the quality of the show or lack of interest in the show. But when you do heavily promote that people can watch your show live on your streaming platform, you're inevitably going to lose a younger portion of your audience to that versus watching it live on television at home.
1: Mm -hmm. Which is absolutely something the Oscars should keep in mind if this is anything they consider in the future because it's not going to make those headlines look pretty. (laughs) Yeah. And not to mention the Monday night, you know, time slot as well versus Sunday. Yes.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think that more people are sitting around on Sundays than they are probably on Monday night. But I don't know. That's just me. So,
1: yeah, that's how I feel, too. Like once it's Monday, I'm back in work week mode um, and I'm kind of like in a craze until the weekend. So I think definitely that put it in things. So we're going to go over
0: these winners. We're going to go through them category by category here. But before I get to any of that, I would like to know if you've been watching anything on television lately uh, that you want to share with us.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I feel like everybody else on film Twitter um, or planet Earth for that matter. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, I am watching House of the Dragon um, and absolutely loving it. Um, I'm Fully obsessed with this story now. I love Millie Alcock's performance so much. And Matt Smith and Patty Constantine are also incredible. Um, And I just think it's such a fascinating story of like, medieval political betrayal and there's so much, you know, sex and violence thrown about too, and it's just it's very engaging. The acting's great, the writing's great. I don't know if it's, you know, top tier Game of Thrones yet, but it's still, you know, a far cry from the depths of season eight. Um, and I really feel like each episode kind of gets better than the last. I loved Last week's episode, which was the little uh, scandalous one. Um, And then yesterday's episode, I thought, was just exhilarating um, and really puts us in an interesting place before we have a time jump um, before this Sunday's episode. So big fan of that. Um, And I haven't started the Rings of Power yet. I've been meaning to, but I've just been so busy with, you know, covering everything else that's going on in film right now um to invest in another fantasy medieval series um but i have been watching she-hulk um which is a a bit of of a controversial title i think on twitter i'm not sure where people stand on it um i've actually enjoyed it for the most part um it's not perfect like pretty much every marvel disney plus show but i'm a big tatiana Mislani fan love orphan black um and she's just she alone makes it worth a watch, I think. And I think the cast is also just really fun in general. So definitely not House of the Dragon quality, but still a fun time.
0: Yeah, to echo what you're saying on House of the Dragon, I too am very much obsessed with it right now. And I've been watching it you know, religiously each week and then re-watching it and then re-watching it again, similar to what I did with Game of Thrones. When this show is on, I just like immerse myself in everything about it. I read every review. I watch every reaction video. I'm on every single subreddit. I just throw myself into the world of Westeros every single time. I am very sad that Millie Alcock and Emily Carey are you know, effectively gone from the show now. It feels so short-lived. I'm hoping that they return through flashbacks or something in future episodes because I I have no doubt that Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook are going to absolutely kill it. Like, literally no doubt in my mind. But at the same time, I've grown really, really attached to these other two actresses on the show.
1: Yeah, I'm really hoping that big things are in store for Millie because she just, you know, she blew me away. It was like really like, an instant star on in the rise. I saw, I was like, I was obsessed with her. I was obsessed with Rhaenyra. I, I do gravitate towards, uh, scheming white blondes, I guess, because <laughs> I love <laughs> Danny too, you know? Um, but no, she's just, you know, so, so sure of herself in the role. She just has a very unique star quality to her. And I really have no doubt in my mind that she's about to be picked up by something huge going forward. So, yeah, there's a lot of
0: actors on the show so far that I, am very much keeping an eye on, especially as we get deeper into the show and like some more like new characters being introduced to, like uh, Matthew Needham in the uh, previous episode, or Jefferson Hall as the uh, Lannister twins, uh, yes. <laughs> who I find to be amusing. <laughs> yeah. And that's the one thing about the show, too, and I don't want to get too deep into it, because we actually are going to do a podcast-specific review of it when the time comes, but... Uh, I do want to say that the only thing that House of the Dragon is missing for me right now, because it's got the action, it's got the production value, it's got the blood, the violence, the sex, everything that you mentioned before, the power plays, the writing is definitely really strong, and so is the acting. There's not a lot of comedy in the show. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I feel like it's missing a Tyrion Lannister type You know, someone on the show that can be that character that audiences can take uh, a great deal of pleasure in just from an amusement standpoint. Uh, That's the only thing that I think House of the Dragon is missing. But, I mean, I'm still riveted by it. I think it's really phenomenal, and it's surpassed my expectations. But I'll tell you this, too. Just moving away from that, because like I said, I don't want to go too, too deep into it. I've watched the first two episodes of Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. There have been four episodes so far. I am behind... I've only had time to watch the first two. And let me tell you something. Even more so than House of the Dragon, this is the most cinematic show I've ever seen in my entire life. This does not look like a TV show at all. This looks like a full-blown $200 million movie. I mean, this is really high-quality level stuff. I mean, I, I, I kind of expected that going in, but it has even surpassed any expectation that I had for it. And the thing I was worried about with it, most of all was I did not like the look of the Hobbit trilogy. I hated the just overall like cinematic quality of those movies so much, especially compared to the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, which was shot on film and definitely felt more authentic and believable. And the world felt more lived in and real here. It has that quality, but it's shot digitally with such pristine clarity that it's amazing to me that it doesn't come off as looking like a cheap soundstage. And I think that has a lot to do with how much money they really have thrown at it to make these sets look so believable. I mean, they look like CGI sets until you realize, oh no, that actually is a practical set. (laughs) It's really, really incredible. And the makeup work, I mean, the visual effects, Jesus, the only thing that show is missing is Howard Shore to do the score. No offense to Barry McCreary. I think he's doing a good job so far on the show. But man, if that show had Howard Shore's music, holy shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really interested to finally start it. I'm definitely not like anti-Rings of Power or anything. It's just definitely finding the time in the midst of everything else we watch and do. But yeah, no, from the trailers alone, I thought the visual majesty of it all was was very arresting. Um, And I also was not a huge fan of the very artificial look of uh, The Hobbit. But no, I've heard a lot of good things from everybody who's seen it. So and I value your opinion, of course, most of all, as the Lord of the Rings expert. So I'm really anxious (laughs) to dive back into Middle Earth. I I was very, very surprised, like
0: supremely surprised at how invested I would be already in these plot lines and in these characters only two episodes in. I thought for sure something would throw me off, maybe with the writing or the acting. But no, like so far, it they got like, you know, it's like both these shows, House of the Dragon and Rings of Power, they they know how to do fantasy speak very well when it mm-hmm. comes to dialogue. And I'm just a sucker for that. I love listening to characters speak in this sort of way that feels... Both a part of history and also is, of course, referencing things that are not of this world. And Morphid Clark, did you see St. Maud? I loved St. Maud. Okay. I, yeah. She's incredible. Yes. Every single indicator that we had from that crawl, personal history of David Copperfield, like every indication that she was the real deal, it is so solidified here. I mean, she's. Just so damn good on this show already, so
1: yeah, I can't I, I can't praise it enough. Yeah, she's definitely the major draw for me, I think, because I I, I wasn't familiar with much else of the cast. I would say, but no, like Saint Mod was one of my favorite films of whatever year it came out in because it had like a weird COVID release. But no, she that per, that horror performance one of my favorite of like the decade so far. And yeah, I'm really anxious to see her take on this character too, because I love Kate Blanchett's and the original trilogy.
0: And then not to mention too, you know, both shows came under heavy scrutiny for their diverse casting. And then, you know, like in the case of like House of the Dragon, they've freely admitted that they've learned lessons from Game of Thrones in terms of some of their more explicit content and how to better present that. It's still a very graphic show. Don't get me wrong. But I I just want to say like for the record that for everyone out there that review bombed these two shows complained about them online. You guys suck. (laughs) Yeah,
1: It it is really just such a miserable existence I think to exist solely on the internet to tear other shit down. Exactly. Like the same thing happened to She-Hulk which I'm like I don't think She-Hulk's like a masterpiece of the medium or anything but I think it's it deserves a lot more credit than it's been given just because people like take things out of context or hate that a woman you know is leading the show or writing a show and it's like yeah it it really just throws things off and it makes your arguments you know so invalid because they're purely driven by misogyny and racism yep exactly greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a
0: listener survey and we want to hear from you Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. All right. Well, let's talk about the award show that prides itself on not being about those things and actually does reward diverse winners every now and then. As the Emmys say every year, we're making history. And this year, there was a lot of history to be had with a lot of the winners uh, including Squid Game, uh, but we got a couple categories to go before we get to that. So I'm going out of order here because, quite frankly, like I said, I didn't watch the show live, so I don't know which order of the winners were announced in. So forgive me for being a little all over the place here, uh, but let's start off first with Outstanding Writing for a Variety Special, which went to Gerard Carmichael for a Rothennial.
1: Yeah, I am, I'm a huge fan of his. I mean, I love this special. I mean, especially because it was, you know, directed by Bo Burnham and he played a part in it. But um, I think this was such, you know, not only an exciting one, but an important one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a special that resonated with many people, but especially meant a lot to Jared, particularly. Um, And after he was also snubbed in the Variety Special category, I was really rooting for him here. And I did think voters were going to make it up to him. And I'm really happy they did.
0: Yeah, it clearly meant a lot to him for obvious reasons with his coming out. And man, like you could totally tell that uh, he's really enjoying life uh, since then. I mean, the outfit he was wearing alone at the Emmys, like said everything it needed to say. (laughs) No shirt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, And... You could tell that he was overwhelmed with emotion. He wanted to just get out of there. And uh, that's what he did. He dipped pretty much. <laughs>
1: I know. I love a quick like in and out speech like that. Like it brings to mind uh, Merritt Weavers from like a couple years yeah. ago. She was like, oh, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: the thing about the speech is I'll say this really quick. And this was a reoccurring theme throughout the evening was that uh, they had these tickers on the bottom of the screen, which showed, uh, you know, these quick thank yous to people that I guess they were directed towards uh, by the Television Academy to essentially put at the bottom of the screen for like the people like, oh, we don't want to hear you thank your agent and things like that. So we're going to put that at the bottom and why don't you use your 45, 30 seconds to say something like meaningful. Like like nobody like obeyed it. I, I noticed that like almost everyone in there little little uh, messages at the bottom were pretty much verbalizing that out loud during their speech anyway. Uh, so yeah. I don't think they achieved what they wanted to achieve in terms of cutting speeches down because so many people got played off and it became so increasingly annoying even to me just watching the speeches uh, piece by piece. I can't even imagine what it was like watching it live on the show.
1: It's really insufferable, honestly, that award shows keep trying to do this because I'm sorry, to be frank, I don't give a shit about all these little sketches and skits. I care about seeing these acceptance speeches. That's what I want to see, you know, cut the random crap and let the actors and the writers and directors who win these awards and have these major moments in their careers get to actually live in that moment, you know? It's like, I want to see Jennifer Coolidge, everything she has to say. Like, she's never had a moment like this before, and yet you play her off. Like, it, it is just so... I, you just need someone who actually loves these shows um, in charge of it. and I feel like oftentimes that's not the case. I do feel like the people that do craft these a
0: lot of the times, they do love them, but they're just at the mercy of the network and having to yeah put on an entertaining show. Because here's the funny thing. People like my parents who watch the show still like live and don't watch it on Peacock. They're the ones that, you know, they're. The Television Academy is hoping to not only retain, but then younger people like yourself are the ones that they're hoping will uh, tune in for the first time, and I think that we're just living in a world where people need to accept that there's going to be it, people that are interested in watching the show for the people and for the speeches and for the winners, like you said.
1: I don't think anybody watches the show to be entertained by the show. Yeah, it's not what it's about. And even when I think of like my own like family who is way less plugged in into all of this than we are, they like to see, you know, like Michael Keaton and Jennifer Coolidge and these actors that like they've grown up with and they know like actually get to say what they want to say. Right. Like they don't care about really any of the filler. That's what they're watching for. They like these people. They want them to have this moment, you know, and it's like we're I, I, I do get that it definitely probably comes from higher up rather than like the direct producers and stuff mm-hmm. but I wish them the, you know the television the studio would actually understand like that's not what's going to drive you know even interest in the show like if you look at what Shirley Ralph's speech did that got so much attention and yeah. that's the mo- those are the moments that we're missing out on when you play people off
0: yeah my parents uh, did not like you know Kenan Thompson's monologue they didn't like the skits they didn't like pretty much anything about the show for the most part and they're the ones who should like everything Mm -hmm. about the show because they shouldn't really care they shouldn't be the ones scrutinizing it you know we're the Mm -hmm. ones that scrutinize yeah so i found that to be a little illuminating that even for them at this point they're just like wow like we're so tired of these skits and also these dance numbers like what was up with all these dancing numbers
1: i i it was you know I got what they were trying to do. You want to honor TV history and like all these big shows. But yeah, the execution was definitely a little middling um, left of it to be desired. No, and not to mention, too, like I love Keenan Thompson. You know, I think, yeah, he's, yeah, I think
0: he's funny as hell. He ain't Neil Patrick Harris.
1: No, no. Yeah. And so it was yeah, It was weird to saddle him with that bit, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's just when, when you keep doing this and you keep playing people off and limiting like what they can say, it's like, OK, why are we even doing the show at all? Like, why not just release? It? And you know what? I, I, I've advocated for this sometimes like from
0: a devil's advocate standpoint that sometimes when the ticker does run and the clock is winding down, you do get a little bit of a spont- uh spontane- uh I can't talk right now. Spontaneous moment from the winner, uh, given their acceptance speech, where then they will start getting nervous and they'll start reacting to the clock and do something funny in the moment, like Jennifer Coolidge, you know, da- yes. dancing really yeah. quick or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. So little things like that can produce some, uh, you know, amusement here and there. But yeah, I li- like that. That's like the best devil's advocate argument I could possibly come up with for it.
1: Otherwise, I say. Let let them talk. Yeah, I mean, I I think the idea of like a timer in general um, isn't the worst thing in the world. I think that, like you said, there are fun spont spont spontaneous. Yeah, it's hard moments. to say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but like this was like forty five seconds, right? Which I feel like it, I feel like at other shows it's been at least like double that. So like this even felt you know expedited based on what we've seen in the past. So it was just it was very weird construction and and it's clear
0: that the clock does not start when the person starts talking it starts like the minute they get up to the
1: stage Mm -hmm. yeah i'm like so do we have to count their walking time or something Yeah. yeah
0: all right let's keep moving on here so outstanding writing for a limited or anthology series or movie goes to mike white for the white lotus and this was uh well is the first of many awards that the white lotus won uh this evening i think when all is said and done actually uh the white lotus on the live television show itself probably got the most wins of the night, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think so, because it definitely I, I yeah i don't remember the exact win totals, but yeah, it won, as we'll see, like writing and directing, two acting awards, a series awards. So yeah, that's like five in total. And I think it won a couple of creative arts Emmys too, like something for the music. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. Yeah, so I think it was like ten in total overall. Uh I will say that <laughs> When Mike White uh, won, I got a text message that evening from uh, from my parents, and they said, Ned Schlieble from School of Rock.
1: <laughs> I know. That's all my mom knew him from, too. And so I made her watch The White Lotus to, you know, be up to date on everything. And then when she saw him take the stage, she's like, that guy wrote this? And I was like, yep. I was not
0: surprised to see him win this award. Uh, but I think it was very, very clear especially from our predictions episode, that the nomination leaders were going to be dominant you know, throughout the evening for a reason. The question was, were they going to miss here or there? Uh, but White Lotus led nominations for the limited series categories, and it made sense that it would then dominate throughout the course of the evening. Uh, similar with writing for a drama series, which went to succession, All the Bells Say, this is Jesse Armstrong's third win in a row for the show.
1: Yeah, and very deserved. I was, I think I... I felt season three was a bit of a come down for succession in my personal opinion, but the finale was like the old succession. I love that was the played. best episode by far. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so good. And just, I was like riveted and it left things on such an incredible cliffhanger and the performances were all rock solid. Like that one absolutely deserved. Yeah.
0: Uh, I was writing for a comedy series went to Abbott elementary for the pilot Quinta Brunson, which, I knew that even if Abbott Elementary did not win comedy series, I knew it was going to win this. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, this definitely seemed like regardless of whether or not it was a sign of something more, it always felt like a consolation prize and like a we are if you're a part of the club now, you know, like you we love what you did. You know, we're excited for what's coming next. And, you know, I'm really happy Quinta got that moment because that watching that show grow all year long has just been so incredible that the word of mouth is so organic. I think it's such an exciting, you know, jolt to network television. Um Yeah. And aside from uh, the Jimmy Kimmel fiasco, which I think she- what was the setup
0: for that? Because I saw her when I saw her give the speech, I saw the fallout on social media about it. And You know, we're recording this a couple of days a week later. Uh, She was actually on Jimmy Kimmel and he apologized to her and he seemed very sincere about it, too. Uh, She accepted the apology and pretty much told him straight up, like, Jimmy, I won an Emmy. I had a great night. (laughs) Like, nothing you could do was going to, like, ruin my evening, essentially. Uh, But what was, like, the setup for the joke?
1: So he had lost to John Oliver, which I'm sure... (laughs)
0: Surprise, surprise.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the joke was that he then got, like, crazy at the free bar um, and then passed out. And so he was presenting with Will Arnett, and Will Arnett was, like, dragging him his drunk self out. But, you know, I felt like by the time Quinta won and got up there, you could cut the bit and he could get up, you know, um, and get out of her way. But he kept it going, um, which I, I also thought, like, I think Quinta handled it really well. And I think she was really honest and genuine about like kind of the fallout. Cause I don't think Jimmy Kimmel meant, you know, to steal her moment. I think it was just like a poorly planned bit. And he has been a huge supporter of Abbott. That was actually how I found Abbott I remember seeing like her on Jimmy Kimmel and I remember like it being shared around and stuff. And she got to like talk to her teacher. Like he, he's a huge supporter of her like, and stuff. And I'm really happy that they both had that moment this week, you know, to clear things up because I do think it was more a mix up and a misunderstanding than anything like intentionally, you know, antagonistic, but yeah, just on the telecast it did not land. I mean, I think that Kanye West taught us all that you
0: don't want to steal somebody's moment on stage, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. let somebody have their moment. Uh, But I will say that Jimmy Kimmel like with these like bits and stuff. I, I'm just reminded of the jet ski thing from the Oscars. <sighs> yeah. And how like every now and then I'll go back and watch an Oscar speech and somebody brings up the jet ski and I'm like, Oh yeah, that was a thing. Thanks, Jimmy. Get <laughs> you out.
1: Know, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I don't know. I just, I, I, I think that listen, we, we, it's kind of lame, right? Because we're such traditionalists in that we want the show to follow a very simple structure. We want them to announce the nominees. We want to see clips. We want to see them walk up to the stage, give an acceptance speech, cut to commercial. You know, it's like, and rinse and repeat, essentially. And it's like every time they try to do like these bits or add these jokes into the show, it it ruins the, it does ruin these moments because then this moment stands out From so many other years of tradition. And it doesn't get to ever like rightfully sit alongside those other deserved moments. I mean, this is also a deserved moment. That was weird that I said that. I meant to say like a moment that solely is able to focus on that and doesn't have this like asterisk written next to it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I rarely I think that everyone always, you know, does these bits with good intentions and they're just trying to have fun. But I've rarely seen them executed well to where like they land or they're just funny at all like (laughs) I remember when it was I think it was the 2018-2019 Oscars when there was like we didn't it was the first year without a host because that was the Kevin Hart fiasco and there everybody was kind of doing their own thing and I remember like Brian Tyree Henry and Melissa McCarthy did that favorite bit like that was funny but it's like it's so few and far between that they actually work that it is just kind of like okay maybe we can just you know come out breed the winner and <laughs> you know wild thought but you know and then uh, for it to happen to a woman of color as
0: well uh which yeah. is something that of course from an optic standpoint a lot of people are always quick to point out here and rightfully so it does make me wonder though how the moment would have been received had say only murders in the building and steve martin had gotten up there or bill Hader for barry like would we have had a similar reaction
1: I think it's definitely you know who Quinta is and stuff and like the optics of having to like step over this white man who's kind of hogging the stage right. from her yeah um, and stuff and I think like I, I mean like even as me like an aspiring creative and stuff Quinta has 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 had such an admirable journey you know she like started on BuzzFeed and Vine and then she was in sketch comedy and then she made her own show and like she's worked so hard to get to this moment and then to have it kind of sullied by this stupid bit I think that was a part of it as well like if it was. Bill Hader, Martin Short and stuff like they could have rolled with it. And it's not like this is the be all end all of their career. Whereas for Quinta, this is like a huge breakthrough moment for her. And so I think that made it sting a little more too.
0: So the question I have with like a moment like this then comes down to is this Jimmy Kimmel's idea? Is this the producer's idea? Is this the writers of the show's idea? Like whose idea is this bit?
1: I, I don't remember if they said for sure. I feel like It was between Will Arnett and Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know if they had to get like approval from somebody that could have been possible too. But I yeah, I think it was like something they thought would be funny because they probably say, hey, like you can do a little something, you know, like spice up the show. But very just ill conceived. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. So let it be a lesson to everybody. Don't don't ever do something that's going to take away from somebody's moment once they get up to that microphone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, outstanding directing for a limited or anthology series or movie goes to The White Lotus, which, you know, listen, I like The White Lotus.
1: I do. I, I was it the best directed? I think I. I okay. So everybody knows I love Made um, very much. I actually would have given the win to Made in this category. Um, I thought the episode they submitted was just beautifully directed. Um, but I also. Would have liked to see, I think, Danny Strong um, get some love for for Dope Sick, because I do think the White Lotus is very well directed. But I think, as I've said before, the writing is that show's greatest strength and Mike White was awarded there, you know, appropriately. Yeah. And yeah, I feel bad that like Danny Strong didn't get any individual recognition for what he accomplished with Dope Sick, because I think that really was a massive undertaking that could have gone so, wrong and really, for the most part, stuck the landing. Um, and the episode they submitted um, for his directing, too, was just very emotionally
0: impactful. Yeah, he got great performances out of his actors for it as well. Hero uh, uh, Murai for Station 11 Wheel of Fire also would have been wow. a really worthy winner, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, and I, th- I want to say this, too. I want to be very, very clear that I think a lot of my gripes with the White Lotus over the last couple of weeks have been mostly due to the fact that
1: it's not a limited series anymore. Yeah, it, it's weird because it's it's the Big Little Lies thing all over again. Right. But we had like a couple of years between Big Little Lies season one and season two. Well, this was like, surprise, like less than a year, less than over a year later, you know, we're back. And yeah, I think, And I think, like, you can get away with the anthology um, title, but it doesn't really explain why Jennifer Coolidge um, is back in such a leading capacity. So they'll definitely probably have to get into that. All
0: right. Next up, directing for a drama series goes to Huang Dong-hyuk for Squid Game, Red Light, Green Light, which... This was a bloodbath category that could have gone a number of different ways here. could have gone to Ben Stiller. It could have gone to Jason Bateman for the final season of Ozark, who, you know, he's previous winner in this category. Uh, Succession had three nominees here, and all three were like the three best directed episodes of the uh, season. And then you had Karen Kusama for the Yellow Jackets pilot. So it was like, holy crap. I I mean, but at the end of the day, going with Squid Game here, it actually like made a lot of sense in my mind when all was said and done, because I think we take for granted or we at least forget that one year ago, Squid Game was such a phenomenon.
1: Yeah, it it really I remember when I I did my predictions and I predicted Ben Stiller partially because I mean, that episode. That would probably be my pick in the category, but also that episode was just exhilarating and insane. I mean, that cliffhanger is something else. Yeah, and I think I thought that Ben Stiller being a big name could also get some support. But I always, I feel like I always kind of knew like that this episode of Squid Game was also like the most obviously directed. It's huge. It's like this su- the start to this insanely successful series. It has like the most defining, iconic set piece. Um, And it is incredibly directed like it. And I'm I'm really happy he won because it was like such a cool moment. And I love that. You know, he got he gave a great speech Um, and that moment, you know, like everybody still talks about red light, green light to this day. And they talk about that doll girl.
0: They incorporated it into the show.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's such a defining episode of television from the past season um, that it totally makes sense why it prevailed in the end. Um, and I'm happy that Squid Game got his second win.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I am as well. And uh, I will say I'll take this moment to just put out there that Severance really underperformed.
1: I know, and I feel like, I feel like getting on the board in such a major way is a win in and of itself. Yes. So I'm hoping that with season two, it will rally. And I've also started looking ahead to um, the winter awards this year, like the golden globes and SAG. And I think that severance will have a really strong showing there mm-hmm. that will hopefully keep it, you know, in the conversation. So I, it was tough because it was very tough competition. You know, it came way later than um, succession and, and squid games. So I don't think it's like, a knock to severance i think that getting as many noms as it did already is a very strong sign so you know it's a better luck next time you'll be back
0: for I, sure. I mean keenan thompson said it himself like during one of his monologues saying how the uh it's the award show where we nominate 100 shows but only give
1: five of them <laughs> wins <laughs> yeah that was that was a great line that might have been my favorite line of the night <laughs>
0: Uh, outstanding directing for a comedy series goes to ted lasso for no weddings and a funeral mj delaney uh lovely speech really really liked her self-awareness saying i'm i'm no one famous so i'm just gonna get out of here bye <laughs> that was really cute mm-hmm. uh i have no idea how to help bill Hader lost us
1: you know i okay i <laughs> i have so many thoughts um I will say this was my favorite episode of this past season of Ted Lasso.
0: It was definitely one of mine, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say the writing um, made it stronger than the directing. Um, I don't think it was poorly directed at all. I just think that when you're in a lineup, you know, with with something like, you know, uh, 710N, which was probably one of the best directed episodes of television I've ever seen um, that motorcycle chase is going to be studied um, it, it's just baffling
0: but but here's the thing that I take away from that I, I think that there is I, I really think the Emmys like deliberately turned on Barry this year
1: I, I you know I think there's some really solid evidence to support that theory based on other ones we'll talk about because this
0: this season was so
1: acclaimed mm-hmm. And it was so talked about. Everybody was raving
0: about it. It seemed like a slam dunk that he would win again for actor, that it would win for um, maybe supporting actor. The directing was like, the directing was considered a slam dunk because of how much focus was put on the campaign for it for him this this season.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm just like kind of shocked and amazed that up against Ted Lasso, it couldn't
1: Get a win anywhere. I I honestly feel like after it performed so poorly, I was like, wow, I think we should have taken that Sarah Goldberg snub a little more seriously because that was like her best performance by far in the show, um, in my opinion. And I think that's like almost objective compared to all the material she had this year. Um, And there was definitely room for her in the supporting actress in a comedy series category. So that was a really unnecessary miss for it. Um, And yeah, I do think that there was so much chatter about how it had evolved um, from a comedy to a drama, even though I still think it fits the definition of like, very dark black comedy very well. um, I think that could have hurt it. And I I, I will say with Hader, even if he wasn't going to win one of his awards, I always thought he was actually stronger here because I didn't think he had any competition. Like it, it really just seemed so far and away his. Yeah, it was very
0: surprising. Definitely one of the more surprising wins of the night. Yeah. Uh, one of the not so surprising wins of the night. Outstanding supporting actress in a limited or anthology series or movie, Jennifer
1: Coolidge, The White Lotus. Mm-hmm. There had been some talk, I think, about Caitlin uh, Dever, which who was incredible in and uh, possibly upsetting her. But you know, because of the White Lotus actresses all getting nominated. But No, this was Coolidge's moment. I think she sealed the deal last year. Um, And like when she I remember when she presented at last year's Emmy, she got like almost a standing ovation. I was like, you'll be back. Um, And, you know, she she's just so funny. She's such a natural performer and entertainer. And I will hate forever that they played her off. But she made the most of it. Um, It was a memeable moment. Um, It was so funny. And I think one of my favorite parts of the show.
0: Stifler's mom has got it going on.
1: (laughs) No, I love her. I love her
0: too. And it was great speech, even though it got cut short, which was infuriating.
1: And I'm glad that she'll be back again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, she'll definitely. I, I see big things in the future for White Lotus season two and I just think everybody just loves her you know everybody just they have such a ball with her and it was that was so fun to see. Watch her become like the
0: new Maggie Smith now of the Emmys.
1: (laughs) See I would I would very much welcome that.
0: (laughs) Outstanding supporting actor in a limited or anthology series or movie goes to Murray Bartlett for the White Lotus. Once again not a shocker here he pretty much swept the season and a deserved win.
1: Yeah he he was honestly probably the lead of the White Lotus, even though there really is no true lead, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but it was such a great performance. And I think such a a very rare portrayal of, you know, a certain type of older gay man and stuff. And I feel like he got to go to really interesting places in the role. Um. And, you know, he had incredible writing, but Murray made the most of it, too. And it was definitely one of the most memorable performances of anybody nominated. So I was really happy to see him. Out
0: Outstanding supporting actress in a drama series goes to Julia Garner for Ozark, uh, her third win in this category, and her final one as the show is no more. Uh, not surprising, because I think we pretty much expected this to happen. There were some of us who thought maybe this would be Sour Snook's time for Succession. Some of us thought uh, Rhea Seahorn for Better Call Saul. She'll be back next year, I think, uh, for those final episodes. But... I, you know, it's one of those things where like a third win, I just don't like repeat wins. I don't, I never do, but I will say this. She was tremendous in that final season and she was clearly head and shoulders the best part about it because I thought the final season of Ozark was lacking a little bit in certain areas, but she
1: never was yeah i echo everything you said um i'm i'm very much usually against uh, repeat winners pretty much as a blanket statement i just i like to see more people get awarded and more performances get awarded but everything she did on this final season i i feel like we always knew it was just not only like the best performance in the season but i think that her best performance is ruth which is a very high bar um to overcome and she did it um And, you know, I'll always mourn uh, that Sadie Sink was not actually here as well. Um, But, no, it was a very good category. I think I would have liked to see maybe Sydney Sweeney. Sydney Sweeney, who did so good on this season of Euphoria, and really it shocked me she got in anyway, and that was really cool. Um, And I think Sarah Snook will be back. I don't think this was her season to shine in Succession. I think that's probably still to come, Um, and she will. I can totally see a season where she just takes everything. Um, But, yeah, I think... Julia definitely deserved it on merit, so. All
0: right, here's your chance to gloat here. Outstanding supporting actor in a drama series, Matthew McFadden for Succession. <laughs> Zoe, you made the argument on the podcast for him, and you went with him when so many of us will have Kieran Culkin instead. What was your reasoning? What crystal <laughs> ball did you have? Because... I I saw this win and I was
1: like, wow, how the hell did she pull that off? (laughs) So I've actually like never wavered um, from Matthew McFadden. Like before I I think I got into predicting the season a little late, still like back in the spring. But I was coming off of Oscar and all that. Um, And I want to be clear, too. I predicted him to win for season two. mm -hmm. So
0: when he didn't win for season two. I just didn't think they were going to get around to him this year.
1: (laughs) You know, I think it might have been because I also wasn't the biggest fan of the season of Succession. But by far and away, my favorite performance was Matthew McFadden. And I thought that was something that was so undeniable, particularly in the finale, because you're left with Tom. Tom is the new major power player. He has so many moments where he really evolves as a character. Um, and we got to see Matthew McFadden do something really new in the role. You know, after he'd kind of been like kicked around and like the co- kind of comic relief with Greg, he really leveled up, in my opinion. And even though Kieran Culkin had some few like funny, memeable moments, like we were saying earlier, um, Matthew McFadden had the dramatic arc. And I, I just thought, knowing the Emmys and kind of how they respect that a little bit more, I feel like they, they were, they're very, they're a bit more particular, I think, with how they award their actors. I thought. That would just, you know, be too much to pass on. And I actually thought that maybe Oh Young-Soo could challenge him if Squid Game really overperformed. But I still just thought Matthew McFadden had the performance of the bunch that was going to be too big to ignore. Well,
0: kudos to you. I'm sure you were ecstatic when you saw that wind pan out.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I was very nervous because I was like in the m- moment thinking, God, it's going to be Kieran in it. And I just like <laughs> totally over like explained myself. But nope, there we go. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't be upset at all if like Sarah won, you know, maybe. Well, no, not next year, because next year needs to go to Rhea Seahorn. But uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised if at some point, like throughout the show's run, if more members of the cast got recognized. I'm glad that we haven't had like any repeat wins so far, except for the writing, you know?
1: Yeah, no. And that was something I, I really I do want to see Karen recognize someday. And I still think they will, because I think there's like two more seasons, at least they've said left. So and I could totally see by the final season, maybe like, they're getting around to everybody. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think this, this was just such a shining moment of this season specifically that I was like, I don't see any way, you know, they can pass that up.
0: Yeah, I think for me, like the thing with uh, predicting that win was I was always like wondering, what's the scene? Like, what is the episode? But Mm -hmm. it wasn't so much about that. You, You were right that it was about the arc of the character. And then ending with him in the finale, the episode that you know everybody watched because it won the writing award. Mm -hmm. So the reasoning made sense in hindsight. And damn it, I should have listened to you on the predictions (laughs) episode uh, with this category specifically because there are other categories where I'm annoyed (laughs) that I listened to you. So I'll get to that in a little bit.
1: I was going to say, yeah, I am not fallible.
0: Outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series, Shirley Ralph, for Abbott elementary speech of the night not only the
1: night but like speech of the year yeah this was like by far and away my favorite win of the evening um and i think and speaking of hindsight this is another case where even though I, a lot of people compared like Janelle James to Jane Lynch and she had the maybe a bit bigger and like buzzier role um it really does make sense that Shirley Ralph was the one to take it because she has been working for years and she talked a lot on the campaign trail about you know the difference between being famous and black famous and she's like said how a lot of people know her now solely from abbott and she's like i've been working forever i have been on stage i have been in television i've been in film and particularly you know a lot of like black film or black tv but you know she has so much support she's been around for a very long time and i totally understand why there could have been a lot of people in the television academy who were like this is her moment, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy she had it. And she took it. Yeah, I mean, when she started singing, I was like, "What?
0: What?" I was like, "What are we doing here?" But then, <laughs> when you heard the words and you saw what she was doing, mm-hmm. oh my God, was it powerful? It was incredible. Mm-hmm. It, it's. And then, um, and then she followed it up then with you know just more powerful words, uh, just through not singing but just absolutely crushing her speech and. Man, people giving her a standing ovation in the room after, afterwards, it was, I, I've watched that speech multiple times now at this point. It, it is mm-hmm. really something
1: else. Yeah, it's my new like go-to acceptance speech to watch, like Olivia Coleman's <laughs> at the Oscars. It's just so invigorating and inspiring. I think I love a surprise win like that, where then somebody you know preaches this message of, Continue on, you know, persevere, because your moment is coming, no matter how long it will take, you know, no matter how torturous the journey may be, it will be there. And I yeah, I love the standing ovation, because I remember seeing Hannah Waddingham in the audience, like cheering her on and like clapping and like throwing her fists up in the air. Like that was so cool. And I will say it is odd in hindsight, Hannah Waddingham didn't win, um, given how great a season she had and how big Ted Lasso ended up being overall. But I'm very happy it went to Cheryl.
0: Same. Very much so. Outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series went to Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. And by far, my favorite thing about this, I'm okay with him winning. I actually really, really loved the episode that he was up for with this. And I think that he's one of the highlights of the show. But um, I, I thought it was so funny how his whole speech was built around how I cursed last year. They cut me off and I didn't get a chance to like thank my uh, family at the end. And so he builds it up and then the punchline to the joke is he says, I fucking love you and gets the, <laughs> the censor anyway,
1: <laughs> which was yeah. fantastic. I love that. I know. I, I do love Brad. I still, I you, like I said earlier, you know, I appreciate other performances um, being receiving their time in the spotlight. Like I really loved Anthony Kerrigan this year on Barry, yeah, yeah. but... Brett is such a standout um, on Ted Lasso. And I do think he actually probably had the most new material um, this season to work with and really left the biggest, you know, impression. So, yeah, it's he's such a fun guy. He's so good on the show. I get it. Outstanding lead
0: actress in a limited or anthology series or movie, Amanda Seyfried for The
1: Dropout. Yeah, so I, I, I will say I did love The Dropout. I thought she was great on The Dropout. Same. I thought, you know, very great performance i will forever mourn margaret qualley and Maid because that show that's a show that's like going to stick with me forever pretty much and i think that that performance very like comes along like once a decade honestly it was just so transcendent um and i i do hate kind of the the grasp that biopics have on this category and really every acting category, let's be real, um, mm-hmm. at every awards ceremony. Um, but it's a bit, you know, Amanda's great. She's worked for so long. Um, she had her Oscar breakthrough a couple years ago. I wanted her to win for that. I'm really happy she got her first industry award. Um, you know, she definitely deserved it. I think she's struggled for a long time to break free of her mean girls persona yeah. that people tried to pigeonhole her in uh for a long time, but you know, she really proved herself this year. I think she showed people new dimensions to herself as an actress. And yeah, she earned it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was, I think, the best performance she's ever given across film or television. So I was very, very happy to see her win this. And happy also, too, for the reasons that you said of just kind of overcoming that stigma over the years and really solidifying herself now with her Oscar nomination and this Emmy win as a serious actress. And I'm hoping that it opens up Even more doors for her, and we and we see more exciting work from her in the future.
1: Yeah, she. I I I really do feel like an Oscar is in her future too. Some like she already had her first mom. Um, she just won her first Emmy, so I'm really excited to see what projects she gets off this
0: outstanding lead actor in a limited or anthology series or movie. Michael Keaton for dope sec.
1: Undeniable, undeniable in my opinion. Like I I was so surprised by this character's journey um yeah. and gutted by it um and i i think there are other great performances in this lineup i really like sebastian stan um i came around on him in a big way Um, in pam and tommy um and i think andrew garfield was reliably great on under the banner of heaven but michael keaton on dope sick just like there was like an existential like pain to his performance it was just so affecting and i i have not been able to shake it and i i'm very happy he's finally getting his moment with industry awards after he was so cruelly robbed eight years ago but
0: (laughs) i know seriously like it was very very nice to see him win at pretty much every award show in the lead up to this Mm -hmm. i
1: Hey hey there i'm hannah and i'm audrey even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.
0: I'm curious. Was this the first award of the night? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. I find that really funny because sometimes... (laughs) sometimes i wonder if like this was like made by special request so that he could like win and then like go home for the evening you know
1: (laughs) that would be funny yeah well
0: like i remember i always think back to uh there was uh, i was at the critics choice awards one year and joaquin phoenix won for joker and it was the first award of the night and everybody was like wait what (laughs) like so confused by it but a lot of us like joked afterwards thinking oh joaquin probably said yeah i'll show up to your show only if you let me win first (laughs)
1: like <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. i don't know if they would say that to the emmy no <laughs> <You see> the- <laughs> probably yeah, not yeah <laughs> but it was just like in the back of my
0: mind like here's a guy yeah. but you know what really st- stunk about it was that that was it for dope sick you
1: know it was like that was the win for it throughout the evening yeah which was yeah that was the one thing is like i would have loved to see Danny Strong alone pick something up because I do think Michael Keaton was by far and away the best performance on the show, but it was a show full of great performances and full of great work. Um, and it was really a lot beyond him, too. And I think that, you know, Danny Strong for assembling it and making it all move rather smoothly uh, deserves some commendation for that, too. So I
0: often wonder about that sometimes, like when your award is the first one the night like. What's another example I can think of off the top of my head? Like Christoph Waltz winning for like *Inglorious Bastards*. You know, he wins the Oscar. He's the first award of the night, and then everybody from the *Inglorious Bastard* team that just has to sit down for three hours while they lose every other
1: subsequent category. (laughs) Uh. I know it's it's always funny when it's like the most obvious ones, you know? Yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, Keaton. uh, Yeah,
0: but uh, I like his speech. I liked his speech. You know, Keaton just has this wave of speeches where. You don't really know where he's going with it at first. And then he just has a way of, like, tying it all together at the very end. And so I always find the process of his speeches to be so fascinating to watch unfold. Uh, And here, he pretty much, like, said, anybody who, like, wasn't cool
1: with me, like, throughout, like, my career, we're cool now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really I, I do love a good like spontaneous, like I said earlier, spur of the moment speech. But I I love somebody who really comes with something memorable and impactful to say that's clearly been planned out. Like Michelle Williams is one of my favorite, you know, accepted speech givers ever. Like I think everyone she's ever given is so memorable and sticks out in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's really cool to make the most of your moment that way and, you know, say something Usually, like he said something about, you know, the epidemic, you know, at uh, the SAG Awards. Yeah. And I still remember that ever since. And I think that's a really cool way of using that platform.
0: Uh, I'll say lead actress in a drama series. Zendaya wins for Euphoria, her second win in this category, not on Zoom this time. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's funny because when this happened, I thought about something that I said on our predictions podcast episode, which was, Like, I think I said something to the effect of, like, Zoe, they did not give Euphoria all these nominations compared to the first season for nothing. (laughs) I know. And I know I didn't end up predicting her. I, too, like everybody else, predicted Melanie Linsky to win for Yellow Jackets, which unfortunately uh, did not win a single award throughout the evening, which was a shame. I'm very happy for Zendaya, and she makes history – uh, winning two here, which is really exciting in and of itself, and being so young in her career, too, uh, her episode that she submitted was truly a jaw-dropper. I mean, like, I remember when it aired, everybody just, like, took to social media and just said, well, she's winning another Emmy. Like <laughs> It was, like, signed, yeah. sealed, and delivered, but I felt really bad because it felt like there was this narrative that started to build behind Melanie Linsky, and she won enough precursors in the lead up to this that i thought that this would be it for her but man like (sighs) euphoria with all those nominations i i had it in the back of my mind like knowing it's gonna win something big on the night they did not give it this much of a of a bump for it to go home
1: empty-handed and here it was yeah it did i mean it definitely did have a higher nom count this year but yellow jackets had you know super strong strength across the board with two acting noms Two writing gnomes, the direct. And that's noms. why I thought you know Melanie was gonna pull it off. I thought the support was there. Yeah, and it was I I, I do I love Zinday.
0: I love her so much. You know, you know what I think it is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. Hmm. They all saw No Way Home. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Marvel movie uh, swayed the television. Um, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But yeah, you know. no, yeah. I mean, am I? Am I Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, you know, she is, I had a lot of problems, um, with season two of Euphoria, a show that I formerly, like, held in the highest esteem, but she was not one of them. Um, that episode is incredible. And, you know, in hindsight, it absolutely makes sense. It is, you know, a blessing of an Emmy submission. I just think, you know, it does, it does suck because she's already won before, you know, she already received her special history-making moment. I would have liked to see a long working actress like Melanie Linsky, who got the best role of her career with Yellow Jackets and made the most of it and absolutely killed it. And finally felt like she was, you know, leveling up and, you know, being taken seriously in a new light in the industry and stuff after kind of being, you know, cast aside in a couple a couple years and stuff like she it would have meant so much to see her up there. And I think it would have been a powerful message to industry, but you know, it's a, I can't knock Sunday she gave a great performance. Um, she's absolutely worthy of the award. It just kind of goes back to repeat winners too. Yeah. Like, I'd love to see, you know, some fresh blood up there.
0: Mm-hmm. Same, same. I'm not knocking the performance, not knocking her. I thought it was a great, great performance that she gave in it, but mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I, I like seeing the wealth being spread. A lead actor in a drama series, Lee Jung Jae for Squid Game. Man, what a, time this guy is having right now. Let me tell you Mm -hmm. what a time. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's really incredible. Like considering that, like what a year ago,
1: not many people in the States knew who this person was. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like for the longest time, no, like until SAG, everyone was like, okay, Jeremy Strong's winning again or something along those lines, you know? And like, then that really swayed things. And then he just started picking stuff up and it's, it's a very, it's a very cool win. I think it means a lot. And stuff. So I think I would have loved to see Bob Odenkirk, you know? Oh, uh,
0: this is where, like, we talked about Severance. We talked about Yellow Jackets. This is where I got to mention, like, Better Call Saul. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it pains me. Like, it really pains me that this show has not won an Emmy. And yet it feels very fitting <laughs> for this show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the same time. Ah. <laughs> uh. I feel like this really was Bob's moment. The guy literally beat death.
1: I know, I know. And I I, I just like, I I really worry about next year too because, you know, it aired very, the second half of the final season aired very early, you know, in the eligibility period. Um, I mean, if anything, that should have given it a boost here to win something. I know. That's why he was my, he was my watch out for. He was like my could win because I thought, you know, like, that even though it wasn't what he was up for could you know keep him in conversation um and you know he had that incredible narrative of as you said beating death but yeah it's like when people say oh well they can get to him next year i'm like i don't know if they will because succession's going to be back you know and there's the last of us there's house of the dragon there's a lot of new like shows with really powerful actor performances you know the bear maybe you know and so it's like yeah i think he can maybe get another nomination but i very much you know have doubt over how strong the second half of a final season that aired in July is going to be. Yeah,
0: because even with like Breaking Bad, which was able to win a year after its show went off the air. I mean, the show had already been rewarded up until that point a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Better Call Saul does not have that kind of momentum. It makes me think that it could be not only nominated and lose again next year
1: but god forbid maybe not even nominated at all yeah i i've lo- i've been looking ahead kind of like jotting down like what will be even in contention um and it does work i feel like there could be a scenario in which a lot of these noms fall off except for maybe bob odenkirk like maybe he still gets you know in but i could see I could see, Sar- like, I could see Ray or and, you know, maybe get left behind. I could see a lot of the writing and directing categories be taken up by other shows. It's very, it's going to be very tricky. Yeah. You know. Happy for Lee Jung Jay, Want to reiterate that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's totally, he, he, he was that show. You know, like, so many of those iconic moments are due to him. You know, there are a lot, there are a bunch of great performances on it. But, you know, he, he's a huge part of why it became such a hit. Outstanding
0: lead actress in a comedy series, Gene Smart for Hacks.
1: Love, I, I, I love Hacks. Like, it's literally like, it is, it is one of my favorite shows on television right now. Um, and Gene Smart is a god. Um, and I, I think this is one of those repeat wins, you know, again, we say repeat wins. I would have liked to see Quentin here, but I also think that Gene did even better this season, um, that she was in season one, which was already phenomenal. Um, and I thought season two as a whole was even, you know, better than the first season. So I totally get it. And I did predict her because I was like, I don't know. I get that there was the there was like a narrative that Quinta could win here. But I was like, this is Gene fucking smart. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Be smart, Zoe. Vote smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it, she definitely felt more to me like Julia Louis-Dreyfus um, in her legendary run in Veep. So, yeah, it looks like we're heading that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will say that Quinta winning writing, you know, definitely made this go down a lot easier for me in terms of a repeat win. Mm-hmm. It also helps too yeah. that I agree with everything you said about hacks being a great show, her performance on the show being like somehow even better of the second season than it was the first season. I don't know how they pulled that off. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's like one of the few repeat wins where I really
1: am not upset about it. Yeah, it was. I I, I mean, I love the first season, but I just I don't know what was in the water this season. It was so, so good. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think it's a it should be a message to a lot of shows that less is more. Sometimes the first season was 10 episodes. This was only eight. And that worried me. But I thought that each episode hit. Yeah, like I was just so surprised. Like I felt like, you know, there was some spaces maybe in the first season where it's like, oh, that's gonna be tightened up. Did we need this subplot? But this season, it was just firing on all cylinders. And yeah, I'm always down for Gene Smart to win more awards.
0: <laughs> well, as they say in Titanic, to making it count. <laughs> Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series goes to Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. Uh, a repeat win that I definitely take a little bit more of an issue with. But here's the thing. For me, it was always just between him and Bill Hader. So they, they both would have been repeat winners anyway. So I feel like Bill Hader's already got two. Now Jason's got two. And I can't really choose between the two only murders in the building guys because it just doesn't seem fair to give one to one and not the other. Uh, Nicholas Hoult for the great, you know, lack of a better term. He's great. And quite frankly, he probably should. <laughs> he should be winning, honestly. <laughs> Uh, and Donald Glover, I mean, he, he already got recognized for the first season of Atlanta. And quite frankly, the way that that show is kind of like dropped off, I think he's just like lucky to be here at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I see why it happened the way it happened here. Uh, my personal preference is Bill Hader, but then like I was able to kind of justify it in my mind when I said, Oh, well, you know what? Hater won two. Now Sudeikis has two. And eh, OK, you know, <laughs> like
1: I that's how I kind of was able to make peace with it. Yeah, I think in my I, I don't oh I think it's the back to back win that maybe like stings a little bit more. But also I felt that while haters won twice this this season was such new terrain. Uh, yeah. Him. Whereas I felt that Sudeikis, he did get a little bit more dramatic material to tear into towards the end um, with his therapist character and stuff. But I, like everything Bill Hayden was doing this season was like, I feel like unlike anything I'd seen in the first two seasons of Barry. I mean, it was unlike any performance I have seen
0: other actors give in any shows, period. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was It was really, for lack of a better, legendary shit. Like it was really cool. and. I think, I, I think Jason Sudeikis is very good in Ted Lasso. I, I just think there was, there's a lot of familiarity um in his performance in the second season and maybe not as much new to warrant a second win as there but was. But I think
0: this is where it goes back to like the Barry uh, turn, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that too many people are looking at haters performance now and thinking this is no longer a comedic performance.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I that was how. I perceived it, too. When he lost, I was like, because I kept dismissing. Uh, there were a lot of people who were raising those red flags. And I it definitely made sense. I just didn't know if it would be enough of, you know, a quote unquote thing to take him down. But yeah, no, it, it, Ted Lasso is the more conventional comedy. Um, and that prevailed. So yep. I mean, maybe it was close. Who knows? You know? Yeah. But considering yeah. Ted
0: Lasso showing across the evening, I doubt it. I think the love that that show has is pretty extreme. Um, not to mention, too, and maybe this has something to do with it. They did announce that season three is possibly the last season of the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with that, too. But I think Barry has said also that they're ending with season four, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that, too. I don't know.
1: on.
0: Mm. All right. Uh, Outstanding Variety Sketch Series goes to Saturday Night Live. Yawn, yawn, yawn. Moving on. <laughs> Do you think that Lauren Michaels is going to quit it at 50? I hope so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. if. He, I mean, I, he's been going this long. I'm not sure, honestly, what his plans are, but I don't know. I think that there are brief moments of brilliance on SNL these days, but it is far from its heyday, um, and I... I don't know. I just I I don't watch a black lady sketch show religiously. I don't watch SNL religiously either, but I have seen a lot from that show and it's way more creative and consistently funny. Um, And I just think that after being the only other nominee in this category for like three or four years now with SNL, like give it its due. Like for the love of God, Lauren Michaels does not need another Emmy. Well,
0: that's how I feel about the next category too. outstanding variety. Talk series goes to John Oliver for a seventh time in a row.
1: Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I, I think John Oliver is very smart. He's very funny. Um, it very much reminds me of like all the things like guys in my films class would show me um in school about their idea of like the most funny guy in the world. Um, So it's like very amusing that he like has such a stronghold in this category. I'm like, okay. I feel like we can outgrow it a little bit, recognize somebody else. Um, I would have I'm glad Seth Myers got in this year. Um, I would have loved to see him maybe get some recognition. I think he's kind of underappreciated in the late night space. And I always love Stephen Colbert, but you know, he's a former winner too. So I don't know. I don't I don't give this category much time. I just think it's kinda like, Yawn, we know how it's gonna end up. I don't think there's like any new huge, exciting challengers. So it's like, whatever. All right.
0: Outstanding competition program. Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls. Loved this win. Loved this speech. Yes. Love the energy. I,
1: God, I love this so much. I think that, because I think that RuPaul, you know, means a lot in the world, like its wins represent a lot, but it has won so many times. And this is such a new, fresh, exciting show that also is such revolutionary representation, both in front of and behind the camera. Lizzo's so passionate about it. She has such a powerful message to share. And I love that she got this time, especially because we didn't get to see her at HCA, but it won there too. You know, she's, it's such a passion project for her. And I love seeing that shine through when she was giving her acceptance speech.
0: All right. Outstanding limited or anthology series, The White Lotus.
1: We knew. Yeah, no. (laughs) Once those nominations
0: came out. Yeah, we definitely knew.
1: Yeah, it was, which... I should have taken note of. I'm um, in another category that we'll get to, but yeah, it was our nom leaders in each of the three series categories that walked away with the wins. Um, and I, I loved the White Lotus; it was my favorite thing on television at all last year, so I was definitely rooting for it. But I, I was always kind of worried uh, that it might be too risque in certain elements uh, for. The television academy but they proved me wrong and i'm very happy for me my,
0: you know my personal preference was dope sick because the opioid crisis i think is something that is not getting talked about as much as it should and mm-hmm. uh, i really really appreciated that it brought a spotlight to it in a way that uh had a sense of urgency to it and to me that it was just more impactful and meaningful than The White Lotus, although I really did enjoy The White Lotus considerably. But yeah, once those nominations came out, and I saw just how many categories The White Lotus was nominated in, it just
1: felt like it was such a done deal at that point. Yeah, the amount of acting noms it got were insane. Insane. Um, And I'm really happy that all of them can now call themselves Emmy nominees. And a lot of performances I didn't think would get recognition did. Um, But yeah, I would I think it it would've been nice if Dopes like had another win uh, below the line, um, but I, I'm i very happy that The White Lotus is now an Emmy-winning anthology
0: series. <laughs> Outstanding Drama Series goes to Succession. Uh, no surprise here again, mostly because, you know, once we also knew to the casting winners uh, from the Creative Arts Emmys, and Succession won this award uh, again, I was like, okay, yep, it's gonna go on to win again. You know, that's usually like a sign that you usually look for, of course, with things like editing, writing, nominations, directing, so on and so forth. Uh, The only area where some uh, sorry, the only place where uh, that didn't hold true was with Outstanding Comedy Series, the last award here, uh, which went to Ted Lasso, Uh, Abbott Elementary won the casting award at the Creative Arts Emmys, which I know raised a lot of eyebrows on many of us. But I kept on saying over and over that. It was not nominated for directing. Why is it not nominated for directing? And I got to admit, that casting win at the Creative Arts Emmys for Abbott Elementary, it made me switch over to it at the last minute. I went against my gut. My gut said it was going to be Ted Lasso. I should have stuck with it because it proved to be that in the end. So, like, no surprise here with our top three winners because those nomination halls just superseded pretty much almost everything.
1: Yeah, and it... it... I mean, Succession is no surprise. I think everybody in the industry adores that show. I can't I can't even tell you how many times I've heard actors or writers or directors that I'm watching interviews of, you know, talk about how it's their favorite thing on television right now. It is held in the highest esteem, and I think it'll continue to steamroll. But um, Ted so yeah, I think I, we always knew, you know, I always knew Abbott Elementary predicting it was like a bit of a risk. It, what, it definitely didn't have everything it needed to, But, you know, I predicted things in the past that didn't have everything they needed to. And it still turned out right. So I was kind of riding that high and thinking that the momentum was there. It was so natural. It won a huge, you know, Predicator with this casting win. Um, And I don't know. I didn't feel, I I guess I severely underestimated the love for Ted Lasso. Because I hadn't felt like there was as much passion for the second season. Especially because I didn't foresee it winning all the categories it did. I thought. Hater was ahead. I never saw it winning directing. I really only had Goldstein. So it made sense in my mind then when I was predicting a writing, a supporting actress, and a series win for Abbott Elementary. But yeah, Ted Lasso just, you know, shouldn't, we shouldn't have outed those noms. It really made a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't ever like saying I told you so and I'm not going to say it here because you all did <laughs> convince me to switch. And I resent you all for that in the end. <laughs> I should have stuck to my guts here. I would have I gone, you know... I would have I had the three, White Lotus, Succession, and Ted Lasso. But alas, at any event, <laughs> though, um, putting a stamp here on the evening, how do you feel about this year's uh, television season? I know we already talked about the show in general, but when you look back on just a season in general and seeing how all the winners played out, uh, what are some of your takeaways and how do you feel about it all overall?
1: Um, like we've said throughout the entire podcast i i really don't like the idea of repeat winners that much i think there are specific cases where someone does something radically new kind of like bill Hader and barry i would have loved to see that this year where it warrants another win but i'm always for new talent um and you know established actors finally getting their moment in the spotlight you know finally getting these wins um and so that's something that i hopefully, like to see change in the future. I very much doubt it will. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a huge takeaway for me. And then also, I'm, I, I'm so enthused about Abbott Elementary. I just think it's such a shot in the arm to network television. Um, I don't think they always put out the best stuff, but Abbott Elementary is, you know, head and shoulders above anything else I've seen on there in so long. Um, I really hope that it can rally with the second season, especially since it's a full season this year, um, and maybe come back and win it all in the end. I think it'll have a very strong showing at the Winter Awards. Uh, I hope it's a show that goes on for quite some time and every actor gets their due. It's a really cool thing to see something that has been counted out and really doesn't have the support of a lot of these other shows from, like, hugely profitable streamers, um, you know, come from behind and have such a major presence in the awards race. So that's really cool. Um, And then, yeah, I'm overall, like, I, I like... Shirley Ross win the most I think that's just like that is such another takeaway for me is that I I think I want more wins like that wins that are surprising wins that are exciting and wins that result in such memorable TV moments
0: yeah yeah definitely agree with you on that Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how Rings of Power and House of the Dragon factor into uh, next year along with the return of Stranger Things, Better Call Saul Uh, Of course, like you said before, Succession is going to be back as well. Uh, But then we have these other new shows, too, like Severance and Yellow Jackets. And who Mm. knows how it's all going to play into each other, along with uh, new shows, too, like The Bear. So I'm excited to see what lies ahead. Um, In terms of forever podcasts here from Next Best Series, uh, we are going to be taking a bit of a break uh, following this episode, here we will be back with. I know confirmed an episode dedicated to House of the Dragon once that season has wrapped up. I think we're gonna do something for Rings of Power as well. So those will be Patreon exclusives, but we probably won't be back though with anything else until after the Oscars are over, and we'll continue with our monthly shows then in the spring. Uh, of course, we'll do any interviews as they come up uh, sporadically. But of course, we got to turn our attention towards uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences instead of the Television Academy. Sorry, <laughs> but it's been a, it's been fun. You know, we did more Emmy coverage this year than we ever have in the past. We did more interviews than we've ever done in the past. And uh, I'm very happy with the way that things turned out. I had a lot of fun diving deeper into television this year. I, I've gone on the record multiple times saying how this is the most television I think I've ever watched simultaneously in my life. (laughs) Um, I normally do not watch this many shows at the same time, like never. So that was really exciting. And when it's this many shows that are this
1: of high level of quality, uh, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I don't think like my Emmy catch up this year after the Oscars, which started like in April, I think, um, was insane. It was literally just like binging through seasons of a show in a day and catching up on all these limited series. And yeah, but it was a lot of good stuff, too. So I'm very thankful for the Emmys, no matter if anything won or not just being nominated for exposing me to such great entertainment over this past spring and summer. And I'm Yeah, I agree with you. I'm 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 going to be rooting hard for uh, the bear in the House of the Dragon, particularly for Jeremy Allen White, Iota Beery and Millie Alcock. So let's hope those campaigns go well. Um, And I'd really like to see those summer shows remembered, um, even though I think I hope they can get some boost from the Winter Awards. So here we go.
0: (laughs) All right. And thank you to you, too, uh, Zoe, uh, for joining me uh, over. The course of a couple of different episodes here, our Stranger Things uh, podcast review is legendary in and of itself, <laughs> and I just really appreciate your enthusiasm and insight and knowledge that you bring to all of this, so thank you for
1: that. Well, Thank you so much, Thank you so much for giving me this platform and all these other opportunities, and really appreciate it. Absolutely. Where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Zoe Rose Bryant. And you can
0: find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 30 of the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For a $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.